Yo, you know how to space, space. Shout out to man in his podcast. Shout out Squint. Shout out Cody. Bitch, Squint and Cody still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me. Waited that space like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen. They got to the dream, huh? Squint and Cody still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me. Waited that space like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen. Yeah. They got to the dream. Huh? Meanie, meanie, money, money. Catch your thotty by her toe. If she say she don't listen to the podcast, I let her go. If she say she do, to see a motherfucking keep a grim reaper killing beast without the effort, cause I'm eat good. Came from the bottom, so jump from the top rope. My head is mad, how I'm spitting the scout flow. I'm on my game, running up for that pop flow. We want a green second cheese, just like nachos, huh? Say, let me breathe for a second, huh? I'll be ballin' hawk out in these threes, like I'm reffin', huh? Squints and Cody, still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me, waited that spells like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen, they got to the dream, huh? Squints and Cody, still locked in like Shaq and Kobe. They can't hold me, waited that spells like I feel it like Brody. Talk with Lee, huh? They can't stop me on my team, huh? We all gleam, huh? We make it happen, they got to the dream. What's up, you guys? It's your boy Squints here with another episode of A Man and His Podcast with a very special guest. Go ahead and introduce yourself. I'm Merck, the exalted leader of the regime. Glory be. How's it going? It's going good, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good myself. The first question I have is, where did the glory be come from? The phrase itself? Yeah, yeah. It was really just kind of made up whole cloth. I knew the gimmick needed something that was just a, a real easy, just kind of battle cry, a real easy catchphrase. It doesn't really mean anything, but um, it was that or join the regime and join Dark Order was already a thing. So I just kind of, what's something that can kind of go along with the little salute? that I, uh, I have my henchmen and stuff do. And I tried out Glory B and it ended up staying. I really didn't think it would stick because it sounds ridiculous, independent of everything. But I was like, this could be something. And I, uh, through just sticking with it, it, uh, it became just kind of the, the battle cry of Marxism. I love it. I love it. Uh, I mentioned this on Twitter a couple weeks ago and you found it i put out on twitter i was like who was the tag team with the bazooka and you're like oh that was me and luke blah blah blah. so the bazooka how many times did that malfunction if it malfunctioned at all oh it malfunctioned a lot there was a curse in spalding hall <laughs> the few times that we worked for anarchy where it just wouldn't go off in there and it was it took me a while eventually i got it kind of nailed down towards the end of its run because it worked just like a potato gun it was pvc pipe and it had an electric igniter in there that would spark and before i went out i'd spray hairspray down into it and it just since there's nothing in it it just ignite and shoot a flame out and i think depending on for one like what the venue was and how long the long to the the walk to the ring was sometimes i would either have not sprayed it long enough or the walk was so long it would all air out and then there were certain times once because I had three or four of those things 
eventually sometimes the igniter would quit sparking and if it doesn't spark it's not going to light it so it actually it malfunctioned quite a bit actually but i just when it did i just kind of had to roll with it whose idea was it to use it was it you that was mine because before we had that gimmick we were just kind of a gimmickless tag team and i'd had an image in my head because this was would have been around like 2014 or 15 i think when we started doing it maybe a little later than that where i think i don't remember if it was new japan or if just certain parts of the american indies uh props and like just kind of the over the topness was starting to get real big in a different way than it is now it's hard to explain but i just had this image of a wrestler coming out with a bazooka. I was like, I'd root for that guy. It'd be fucking cool. And it just kind of fit with us transitioning into the mercenary gimmicks that we had at the time. My tag partner would come out in the duster and the eye patch, a lot more like snake Pliskin style. And then I tried to model a lot of, I tried to model our dynamic more after like Deadpool and Cable. I come out with this real big over the top bazooka and he was my serious gritty straight man. But uh, I really didn't think it'd be possible to get one that fired for quite a while. But eventually I just looked up like how to make a potato gun. And after some trial and error, I got it to work. So did you ever, did you ever like get some over the, like questions from like non-wrestling fans about it? Yeah, a, a few times. I just like my family even would be like, what is this? What are you making? Um, how's it work? I got a lot of people ask me just, how's it work? Is that real? Like, what's it made out of? Um, a whole bunch of stuff like that. We got, I was in a carload once and we got pulled over going to Arizona from Missouri and, uh, a cop like look, cause there were four of us. And it was like two in the morning. So yeah, just get out of the car. Just like, you guys care if I search the vehicle? And we we're like, ah, sure. And he popped the trunk and he's like, all right, what's this? <laughs> like, well, he's like, yeah, all right, that's... just let a state trooper find that because they'll they'll try and turn that into a felony because it's transporting an explosive improvised device or some shit like that. But I honestly, I never had any uh, troubles moving it uh, across state lines that I never had a problem flying with it because I was never over enough to have anyone fly me anywhere when I was using it. So <laughs> I, I was, I was going to say, did you ever have to fly with it? Cause I feel like that would just be a nightmare trying to do that. That's probably like one of the most common questions I got when I had it. It just wasn't really relevant. I was working real close to home a lot at the time, or I was driving in car loads if we were going long distances. So when I went to Mexico and Japan, like I didn't even, try to take it with me but like yeah. <laughs> like the last thing i need is to end up in prison in one of those countries yeah that sounds like a uh like just like a sitcom episode like i don't know if you know the show iCarly or watched it but there's like an episode where uh i forgot who it was but they got in trouble for bringing like some snack uh, uh a snack cake to canada or something like that i forgot exactly what the plot was but they just they got detained for smuggling forbidden food or something like that. Man, I remember the one time I went to Canada, it was tougher getting in there than it was Japan or Mexico because we drove across the border and like we didn't have to wait a super long time, but like we had to pull off and go wait in a little, I guess, immigration center, just fill out things, answer questions. Why are you here? How long are you here? Are you making money while you're here? 
And they searched the car and I think we were maybe there an hour, but like in Japan, I just flew in and I was good to go for the most part. <laughs> so I've been saying on Twitter the past couple of days, uh, promoting this episode, what is your favorite Lunchable? My favorite Lunchable is the old, the old school pepperoni ones that came with the tombstone sauce. Specifically, the ones I don't know if it was a whole separate lunchable. I can't remember. My brain's rotting away in front of my eyes, or I don't remember if it's own lunchable or if it came with the pepperoni ones. But there was always like a dessert pizza that I got with lunchables too. It was like a chocolate sauce and M and M's. Yeah. And even though it certainly was not meant to be, I'd always insist on microwaving it as well. <laughs> so I always wanted to microwave my pizza lunchables. I didn't want to eat them cold. That was chump shit. Um, I wanted to microwave my lunch and that extended for some reason to the dessert one so i just have this runny mess of chocolate on this little dough circle <laughs> i remember uh the one time i took like uh, a pizza lunchable to school everyone thought i was out of my mind for microwaving and i was like no you gotta microwave like if you microwave any of them it has to be the pizza one it yeah i can't i can't believe the the side eyes i get from doing that like just either not even supposed to be microwave you can just eat it like that i was like i can or i can make it better you did dipshits so this next segment is uh provided to you by poddex if you if you or someone you know are starting a podcast you can use poddex.com and they have a variety of different decks of questions uh are different decks with different questions considering that genre and if you go online and use code squints you get 10 percent off uh, so there's a variety of packs. I'm going to name off like three of them and you just, I'll let you choose what pack you want me to open up. All right. I got, I got funny films and it's just questions about comedy movies. I got hypothetical questions, which is just hypothetical questions. And then I have, let me find another one. I seen it earlier. It's I can't find it now. It's called this or that, and it's just you choose between two different things. Hmm. I'm gonna go with hypothetical questions. Okay. I feel like that gives us more conversational avenues. Oh yeah. If you could choose any mode of transportation, no matter how ridiculous, what method of transportation would you want to use to get around town? Around town? An imperial steed. An oversized horse with armor, um, excessive regalia, ornately designed, um, finery of such a vulgar expense that it could feed entire countries. But it's on my horse instead. <laughs> If extra lives were a thing in the real world, how would you get them? Extra lives in a real, probably through shunning people. Through the regime shunning. is big on the regime is big on shunning dissidents, people who stray from the tenets of Marxism. And it's easy. I just tell you to shun. You just point at them and go shun, and they're shunned. They're shunned from society. They're shunned from the regime. I think that's how you get extra extra lives. There are plenty of people, as I posted earlier, over three billion shunned daily. So, is there, do you know who's on the top of that list for the most shuns that you've shunned the most? 
who have I shunned the most? That's tough. Possibly the fighting granny in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Um, she was the first one to be officially uh, publicly shunned by the regime. I've also shunned Derek Neal quite a bit. Okay. Hmm. The last laugh got shunned by me, Jaden, and Brett Eisen on Uncharted Territory. So they were shunned the hardest, if nothing else. Okay. Okay. What do you mean by shunned the hardest gist? I mean, there was me, Jaden, and Brett Eisen all at once with everyone in attendance. Most brutal shunning? Absolutely. And there were three or four of them that got shunned when it happened. A mass shunning. Is there a, is there a, uh, trying to think, is there like a word for a mass shunning? Shunicide? Shunicide? I think you might have just created a word. Probably. I've created many words and they're all wonderful. What are some other words that you've created? Marxism. Well, okay. Ferdinand. What's the definition of that one? Ferdinand? It's just a name. People will say it predates me, but they're lying. And they're dissident and they'll get shunned. Okay, so uh, a good way to get shunned is by lying. Absolutely. And I'll let, I'll let everyone know what the truth is. Your exalted leader will do that. If you have any questions about what the truth is, I'll let you know. So what are the top three ways to get shunned? We got lying out the way. See, lying, uh, high crimes against the regime, which would include insulting the exalted leader, myself, putting your hands on the exalted leader, cheering for anyone who opposes the exalted leader, um, straying from the tenets of Marxism, which there are many. We don't have time to list them all. But just really anything that highly displeases or mildly annoys me will earn you a shunning. All right, all right. If you chew too loudly, you can be shunned. Oh, that's, I'll shun someone for chewing too loudly. If you could merge two games together and make a new one, what games would you choose and would be the result? I know Pokemon would be in the mix. I'm trying to think what would what would fuse with it best because there are so many. I feel like there's a lot of potential in Pokemon and almost any of the Legend of Zelda games. And that would just give us medieval Pokemon, which I'm all about. I'm also a big fan. If I can mix Devil May Cry with the Dark Souls series, I would be very much into that. A very fast-paced hack and slash Dark Souls aesthetic. I mean, Devil May Cry already kind of leans in that direction a lot of the time anyway. So I would definitely be all about that. I would say I'd also want to throw in... Hmm. This is tough. This is tough. I wouldn't mind mixing Fortnite with Shadow of the Colossus either. I haven't heard of that game. What is that? Shadow of the Colossus? It's one of my favorites. It's a, a PlayStation 2 era game. It's from the same people that made Eco, I believe was the name of it. And you play as this guy, your girlfriend has died. And you leave your tribe and you go into these forbidden lands where these uh, you talk to the God of life and death. And he says, he'll bring your woman back if you slay these 16 colossi that inhabit this land. And I encourage you to just even look up gameplay footage of it, especially the, the most recent remasters. They look great, but 
even for PlayStation 2, these huge sweeping landscapes. You'd go through these forests, rivers, mountains, and you just peer down into these huge valleys. And these 16 boss fights were the only enemies in the game, but they were literal colossi. They were, and the way you beat them was you had a sword that could shine light on their weak spots and you'd climb them and you'd try to get to their weak spots. And you had meters, like you could only hold on for this long. And then you had to stab them in this spot. And sometimes their weak point would move. And then each one was different. Some of them flew, some of them were fast. Some of them could shoot electricity. Some of them were in water and they each had their own kind of patterns. And a lot of the fun of the game was just going through this huge world to find them and then figuring out kind of their patterns and how you had to use the environment to beat them. It's one of my favorite games. I will say it's a terrible game to just watch because it's a lot of travel and very slow boss fights, but it's incredibly fun to play. Speaking of slow travel, have you played Red Dead Redemption 2? I've not. I need to. There was those games, both of them came out in a period where I was very broke. And <laughs> like I'm not even sure if I had my PS4 yet. I still may have been in a, a PS3 at that time, or maybe just my 360 even. But I've really wanted to play those. They're on they're on that long list of like backlog games that I gotta get caught up on. Yeah, I uh my favorite thing about that game is like I've had it for two or three years however no probably longer than that but like there's just so much like open world to it but it's like one of those games that you can't necessarily watch because like you said uh, another game it's just a lot of slow travel and all of that but it's such a great game i miss um, really investing time into games like that for the past year or so i've mostly played like Fortnite because i'll get up in the mornings before i like have to go to the gym and just start doing my stuff throughout the day about the only time I have I've only got a couple hours and I'm not a person who can play like an RPG for only a couple hours like I can get on Fortnite and play you know several rounds and that's cool but if I did Red Dead Redemption I'd end up just sitting at the house all day (laughs) yeah yeah that game it came in clutch during quarantine whenever no one was doing anything so i would just sit there and play it for like hours on end and like i said you would just run into new stuff each time see i wish i'd invested more time in those games but i decided well this is going to be well i'm just going to replay through the kingdom hearts series (laughs) and that took longer than i expected and then i think that's when i picked up pokemon sun again and a handful of other ones so so in your opinion, what is the, uh, what's the best gaming console? I'm generally a PlayStation guy, but if we're talking like all time, I think the PS2 might take it. Xbox 360 is up there and then throw in, I think the N64, the Super Nintendo might be like tied for third. But um, go ahead. The PlayStation 2 is probably, like, my favorite just, I don't like, I don't know how to explain it, just aesthetic. Like, the, the yeah. covers for the games, the, whenever the games are loading in, and it does a, I, I love all of that. It's instant nostalgia for the, for the PS2, like, screen opening and everything. And then the Xbox 360 seemed to be one of the more versatile systems there have been. Like, they just, like, it seemed like every game you could get on the 360. Yeah, then I feel like it like changed the game for like 
gaming in general with like Xbox 360 whenever you had your avatar, the home screen, like yeah. Xbox Live and all like is I know PlayStation Network was around the same time too, but like Xbox Live just I feel like was miles ahead of it right off the bat. That was that was really that was the era where like online only games like came in like the the Fortnite style stuff, you know, started with like the the Call of Duty style games where you could have a hundred people in a lobby and do so. I remember when I first read that in a game informer, there was a game coming out. It was online only, which I hated because I didn't have Wi-Fi or anything at my house. And so it was like one to 50 players. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> like that blew my mind at the time. And like you said, the PlayStation network was, I don't even think you could just like download games off. I think you can maybe pre-order stuff and like get older games maybe. Yeah. But because I think one of the big things about the PS3 was its backwards compatibility. I think maybe went back further than the 360s. I don't remember exactly, but I think it had a wider uh, variety, maybe. Because I know on the PlayStation 3, you could do PlayStation 2 and some PlayStation 1 games. Okay. And in the Xbox, it was just a handful of games. Yeah, you had to like download more updates and everything if you wanted to play certain like xbox original xbox games on it yeah yeah i uh did you have the uh the big playstation 2 or the slim i had the the big one that's that's the one that i had for the longest time and then i me and my brother were just talking we don't know what happened to it we don't know if we gave it away or if we just same. I'm not. I, I have no idea where mine would have ended up. I think maybe at a certain point they just kind of walk out of the house. They like yeah. elephants go to an elephant graveyard. I think eventually your PlayStation Two just kind of sees like, okay, it's my time, and it walks out somewhere out there in the Mojave Desert. There's a pit just filled with the skeletons of PlayStation Twos. Just PlayStation Twos and just uh, just memory cards laying all yeah. about. There was here. It was here. That was another thing. I remember losing my memory card so much for something that stayed in the PlayStation. It never left no it, like, besides when I would lose it somehow. But me and him were just talking the other night. We wanted to, we were like, oh, you know what would be fun if we played SmackDown vs. Raw 2006? And we're like, wait a minute, we don't even have a PlayStation 2. And then we were just trying to think where it went. And everyone I've talked to, they all say the same thing. They're like, yeah, I have no clue where my PlayStation 2 went. And you can't find home world. <laughs> say what? They've returned to their home world. Well, yeah, well, that, that has to be the case because you can't find them at thrift shops or anything like that. Not hardly. A vintage stock or something will have them every now and then, but they're tough. Oh, yeah. Vintage stock. I went there about a year and a half ago to look for one, and they didn't have any, but they had nothing but like Xbox 360s, which like, Kind of confused me because I feel like that was like a console that for the longest time everyone held on to. Oh, they did for sure. I remember mine, it didn't red ring, but like the fans in it uh, quit working. And I had to like get a new one, but I was like, man, all my game data is on this one. And I had a buddy that worked, uh, owned several pawn shops in town and his son was a big tech guy. And I was able to take it up there and they were able to like take the internal hard drive out and put it into a different PlayStation or a different Xbox for me. My first 360, I'll never forget this. I was 10 years old and I got a 360 for uh, my birthday or Christmas. 
and we hooked it up. I was ready to play. And then the red ring of death happened. And like, this was before the internet. So I was just freaking out. I was like, what does this mean? And then like, fast forward to now, like it was a very common thing that was just happening to people. Oh man, it broke people's hearts. I remember I was kind of glad I didn't get one of those first wave Xboxes because like so many of them ringed. Yeah. And then like, I was doing research on it recently because I seen like an article on it and it like, apparently different rings meant different things like if it hit like one corner it meant it was an internal damage one corner was uh external and then like some of them meant like uh the fan was over it was overheated and stuff like yeah. that because i think mine only had the two like of the little the four-sided circle and like that's what it was is i'd not play it for so long and dust would collect in the fans and they wouldn't run right but i know if you got those three that one in the upper left didn't light up you were fucked uh-huh uh-huh i just opened up the video game uh pod decks not since we're talking about video games and the first one right. that popped up is what's a really popular game that everyone loves but you don't call of duty is the first one that comes to mind like it's and it's not even as popular as it used to be but for a while I would have said Fortnite, but I downloaded that for my kids to play. I started fiddling around with it and it's really fun actually. Um, I like a lot of the scans and it's just, it's easy to pick up. I'm like, I'm bad at shooters. I just am. And every now and then I can pick up a win in a hundred person battle Royal. So like they do a good job, like skill matching for the most part, which I appreciate. Like no one, it's not fun if you just lose every time yeah. play a game which is something you can run into on, you know, certain online games and everything. Like I've gone into the competitive matches in Fortnite and stuff. And I'm just like, these people are playing obviously on decked out PCs because they're building these giant structures in like half a second. I'm just like, how do I get a wall up? I was like, Oh, never mind. I'm already dead. I remember uh, I let my friend play on my account once just because he wanted to play. And he's so good at Fortnite, and I'm not. So, like, the skill-based uh, skill based matchmaking or whatever, he was just going – he, like, got, like, something like 20 kills. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. And he's like, yeah, that's the only thing that sucks about skill-based is if you use someone else's account, you can just ruin, ruin the lobby. <laughs> but I agree with you on Call of Duty. I just I, – I think it's because I'm not good at shooters, and I just never was into them. And I remember, like – up until like sophomore year, that's all everyone would talk about in my high school is a new COD. And I would just, I'd be like, all right, guys, I'm, I'm waiting on WWE 2K14. So. Right. That's how I was. I've always been more into story driven games anyway. And the call of duties for one, like military shooters were nothing special to me. Cause like they've been around since, you know, you could have any kind of 3d graphics, the improvised 3d that the super Nintendo had where they just moved the 2d around <laughs> it. Like they, I mean, that's what it was, you know, it was for flight simulator games back in the day. And then there's just been different ones. And I liked them. First person shooters were always hard. I always liked Halo well enough, but I was never good at Halo. I would get beat by the worst Halo players in town because I was just so fucking garbage at it. But I could play through the campaign. I, so I like on for COD, I, never played it and then for some reason i got world war ii a couple years ago and like everyone wanted to play online but i was too busy on the campaign 
and they're like, no one plays the campaign on cotton. I was like, oh, well, why did they make it then? Right. Part of that too, for me was, like I said, I didn't have Wi-Fi in my house when I was in high school and stuff. So online playing really wasn't an option. I went to a few LAN parties to date myself. Um, went to a few of those when I was in high school. But again, I just get my shit pushed in super hard if I was playing with any of my friends. Because that was back in the day, you know, 2007 to 2010 when Halo was, that was top of the shit, you know. People were still watching Red versus Blue videos. I like Halo. I I never could get into to the point to where like I don't even know any of like the like Halo lore. I guess you could call it like where I don't. Yeah, even... it got too too wide for me. I could keep up with the war between the Covenant and the remaining human species, and then the rings are this, and then there's the flood, and that's where that's where it lost me. Like after that, you go down and there's this big fucking zombie creature that mind control shit and there's corrupted AI and now there's all these sub stories that take place in the past and in the future. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on. No, that like, that's how I get with a lot of games too. Like I'll watch my brother play games and I just have to tell him to sit there. I'm like, what is going on right now? Like I just, like he was playing uh, fall guys a few weeks ago. And I was like, what is like, this game is so odd i don't know how to explain it but fall guys is wild i like it's i like it fall guys to me just kind of presents itself as what it is which is very odd and quirky it's really fun to watch my youngest daughter play because she's very frustrated at it because she just tries the same way to get through the same obstacle time and time again and it never like she keeps trying the same thing and it didn't work the first time and it doesn't work the 10th time and she just loses her shit and it's adorable. <laughs> so do your kids, do they like wrestling? They do. Their, their dad, because they're my stepkids, their dad is also a wrestler and also promotes a company locally. So they've been around it in this fashion, you know, their whole lives. So and early on when I uh, start coming around, when I like started spending the night while they were home with their mom and stuff, that's how we bond a lot is because at the time they like to have their mattresses on the floor and they had these bed frames, but they'd always just end up going to her bed or sleeping in the same bed. So I was just like, well, we're just going to get rid of these <laughs> and just, but, and they love, they loved it. And that we'd have little wrestling matches on their tiny little child's twin mattresses. Push, I'd just be throwing them off me because they were half my size and doing battle Royals and you know, I'd just be rolling them off the bed and then they'd come and introduce themselves to someone else. And that was, a, <laughs> that was many hours spent just wrestling them. Like <laughs> they'd be trying to put me in arm bars and stuff they didn't know how to do. <laughs> and, and they were small enough that I could just pick them up and power bomb them on their pillows and shit. It was good times. And they still, they still, they watch WWE more than I do because their dad watches it every week. And I don't have cable at the house and up until just recently, I haven't had a great desire to watch WWE product. Yeah. I like, I go through phases where I watch wrestling and then I don't, but for the most part, I, I use social media to watch it. Like I, I use social media to see what's happening. And then if I hear something cool is about to happen, I'm like, all right, well, I'll tune in this week or I'll tune in on this episode of dynamite or this pay-per-view or something. But Right. I've, 
fallen into that myself. And as a wrestler, I don't, I'm not crazy that I've done that. There's just so much to, I like to keep up with the mainstream product for a while there. It just got so bad. And like, once the crowds left, I was like, I'm not even going to attempt. I'd like to keep up with AEW more. I feel like that's right now more of a goal of mine than WWE would be just not only realistically, but just what I've heard of how the environments and just how the structure works in each company. Like I think AEW would be a better fit for me, assuming either would be, but I don't even watch as much, you know, IWTV is generally the crowds I'm in front of, you know, for having been at TWE for so long. And even before that, when I'd come up to, black label or the times i'd be on anarchy stuff like that that iwtv crowd is mostly what i'm in front of but there's so much to watch on iwtv there's no way i could possibly keep up with everything like i love icw and those guys they've got a great working relationship with me and the twe crew it's tough for me like i want to set aside some time eventually to watch their australia tour they just did because that's no other American company I and on the independence I don't I'm not sure has ever done an Australian tour you know and because I love those guys I want to support them and watch it and get them those views but it just it's finding time to do that finding time to like maybe try and watch something that's not as well known to give it some views see what hidden gems there are out there and then keeping up with you know other stuff like any of the beyond stuff for the wrestling open or you know again anarchy glory pro stuff like that there's there's just so much and i've I've seen several people talk about that how just i don't want to use the term oversaturated because well that's true yeah um there's just so much available to watch i was uh i was just talking to my dad the other night about it i was like because like to him when he thinks of wrestling he just thinks of aew wwe right the only independent company knows are like the local ones like glory pro and he kind of knows of anarchy but like he does like i was trying to explain to him that like wrestling right now is like in my opinion the biggest it's been in the last like 15 20 years like at post attitude era just because of the amount of independence especially with the iwtv stuff where anybody can just get on their computer or their phone or roku and just watch wrestling from any any state practically no it's it's cool to have so many things available to watch there's there's pros and cons to every kind of like boom period and like down period you know like in down periods when you stand out you stand out more in these boom periods like this it's a little too easy to get lost in the shuffle sometime like you know alec price is hot right now so everyone wants to book alec price and as they should want to book Alec Price, he's very good and he's very popular. He brings a lot of value to wherever he goes. But, you know, Alec Price, he made his name in the Northeast. And if you're flying like him in like to a Texas or something, it makes it harder for like a Texas guy, whoever that may be, to kind of break into that spot. And like, I'm not against, you know, survival of the fittest in wrestling if you want to be more over get more over like i'm not saying alec price shouldn't be flown in for that reason but it's just it's also something to consider when you like take into consideration how many wrestlers there are right now and how many really good wrestlers there are 
you know, it can be harder to stand out. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Like my favorite thing to do on IWTV though is, is I'll just find a random promotion from like that I've never heard of, or I just don't know much about that area. And I'll just watch that for a couple hours. Like as I'm just playing on my phone and just like, that's how I found Alec Price, for instance. Like I found him from watching uh, the wrestler's lab from New Jersey. Okay. And I was like, oh my God, who's this? And then, like you said, now he's booming. And now I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, it's it's always cool seeing those people that, like, you seen start off in their, like, own little territory, I guess you could call it. Yeah. And then watch them start building up everywhere. No, it's definitely cool, too. And that's that's the good thing about the way wrestling is now with its social media exposure is that, Alec Price has the opportunity to be seen by a company in Texas or Kansas or California and be flown to those places, which is a lot harder to do back in the day. You know, when they talk about the glory days of independent wrestling, they're usually talking about 2002, 2005, 2006 Ring of Honor. And that was an incredible roster and stuff. But I can speak for myself when I thought of independent wrestling at that time. I just thought of those guys on that roster. And there were more than 30 guys on the independents who were very talented. You know, now I've come like Vinny Massaro out on West Coast Pro. He's been wrestling forever. He was Masawa's first match in America ever. I'd never heard of him till like three years ago. But now like he's getting flown places, uh doing the loops with Circle Six because through social media and it's cool because there's a, a combination of like global and regional combined with how exposure works these days because so many people from his region have a platform that reaches globally he can be appreciated by more people yeah yeah definitely i like when i going back to what you said about ring of honor up until like probably five years ago maybe a little bit longer before i really knew what independent wrestling was all I thought of independent wrestling was Ring of Honor and Evolve and then like some of the little small local stuff that I would go to. And like, it's, it's sad that like people only think of independent wrestling from like 2002, 2005, like you said, as just Ring of Honor. Right. And that's, it goes in waves and it has its up and downs because there are still people who only know about those mainstream companies and maybe uh, will say, yeah, we've got a little wrestling company around where I have. Is there wrestling? Where do you wrestle where you live? And I'm like, I don't wrestle where I live. You know, I go other places, you know? And when I tell them, you know, I've spent weekends where I've been on the road, literally 48 hours in a car wrestling in three separate States or more. They're like, holy cow, I can't believe that, you know, because you got to go where it is. There's a lot of it, but it seems to separate itself pretty obviously as to where you kind of start, where you can get on, where you want to be. And then the ones in the middle is like, you work here because it's close to home. They don't pay a lot, but you can profit. This place pays a lot. They're kind of far away. This place is way far away. You're not going to make any money, but it's an exposure thing. It's it's just 
it's very unique the kind of ecosystem that wrestling has kind of settled into i think really coming out of the pandemic in a way it's i've like just as someone who's been around for 11 years it's it's different than it was before so what's the longest car trip that you've done just like from home to the destination Hmm. that's tough because there have been a couple that pop out to mind there was a a weekend i say weekend i think it was like thursday to getting home late on a sunday and we had bookings all the way through but it was a carload of us driving out to rhode island from springfield missouri which is where i was i met him in st louis I think from where I lived at the time, that was a 22-hour drive. I'm trying to remember exactly where our first stop. I think we had to drive out there and then to Maryland and then ended the weekend in Pennsylvania, or I may have that backwards. I also drove from Springfield to Winnipeg and went from, that was about, I think, 13 or 14 hours. And then I went from Winnipeg eight hours to Minnesota and then drove 17 hours back nonstop to Oklahoma so I could make it for my daughter's uh, seventh birthday party. And then I've driven to Vegas a couple times, but I have to say that one coming back, going from Winnipeg to Minnesota and back was like the toughest one because that, that 17 hours was, uh, was nonstop back. I did drive 17 hours nonstop to Florida once. And I don't know how I did it because I was very tired when we left. And we got there and I was uh, I was on an FIP show. And then like, I can't sleep for shit really in cars. Like I can't, I wake up and stuff. I was out for eight consecutive hours when we left. I couldn't believe it. And it was, I was in the front seat. I wasn't like laid down all comfy. I just slumped up against the door. I wake up and it's eight hours later. <laughs> I cannot sleep when traveling at all, whether it be a car or an airplane. Like when I went to, when I flew to Vegas last year, we woke up at four in the morning, got to the airport at six, got on the plane at seven, and then we got to Vegas and all that. And I didn't go to bed until like, I want to say like three o'clock Vegas time. And as I was like laying down, I was like, wait a minute, I've been awake for like 24 more hours or 20 more than 24 hours it like I don't know I just can't sleep though like in the airplane I just my thing is is if something goes wrong I want to be awake for it so I can be at my full awareness I guess and that's for sleep on a plane yeah I just can't get comfortable cars I've gotten to the point where I can sleep in them it's not a good sleep ever because from when I'm scrunched up somewhere and I'll wake up here and there but like i can especially if it's not my car i can get pretty cozy and kind of shut my brain off because i'm really not afraid of getting hurt or dying in a car wreck what i'm mostly afraid of is my car getting hurt (laughs) um i figure if there's a car wreck i'll be okay because i seem to always be okay (laughs) but if uh if my car is ruined that's that's much more of a of an issue for me so if it's someone else's car i'm like perfectly and there's a handful of guys i don't worry about them driving my car at all if luke was driving or any of the guys i used to travel with 
I'm pretty, I'm pretty chill about it. Some of these green kids I've been traveling with though, who are like 20 years old, I don't know them very well. And it's like, all right, take, take it easy with the, their speeding Gonzales. I remember uh, a few years ago, it was like 2019, me and some friends, our friend is a wrestler and he had a show about four hours away from home. And we were like, oh, let's just all go out there together. Let's just go watch him wrestle. And on the way back, it was like 10 or 11. And we we were all asleep in the car besides the driver. And we were driving and he hit a, I forgot what he hit. He hit like a raccoon or something small. And it woke everybody up in the car because it was just, and we were all like, what, what happened? What happened? And he's like, oh, we're good. And I was like, no, I just flew up and hit the ceiling. <laughs> what happened? I've had more than a few of those. I remember once I was going to New Jersey with some buddies of mine and uh, we were going through some construction. I was sleeping in the passenger seat and I wake up and I look at my side mirror there and it's just gone. I'm like, <laughs> hey, 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 man, what happened to my mirror? He's like we were going through some construction where the length you know this guy was cross the line. So I had to get over and it hit one of those concrete dividers. My bad. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right. I mean, it, was, it wasn't anything major, but I was just like, I know I had a mirror when I, when I stopped driving. <laughs> <laughs> Last time I was awake, I knew I had another mirror. <laughs> so the last thing I want to touch on before we wrap this up is not too long ago, you had a fan try to come at you, correct? Or yeah. what, was, what was the full story on that? Because I only seen like a, five or six second video on Twitter of it. Yeah, that's, that was really most of it. So that was like a week before I wrestled Murdoch. It was the first time ICW was coming to that building in Chattanooga. It was a week before I was going to wrestle Murdoch for the American Deathmatch belt. And so to build it, they were going to tease me hitting Alex Kane with a bundle of light tubes. Rob Kiljoy comes out, runs me off, cuts a baby face promo. Well, he's doing that. I'm on the outside and there's this dude with his daughter, this little girl, probably like six or seven years old. She's looking at me and I just kind of mean mugger as heels are wont to do in wrestling. Yeah. He like gets scared, goes behind her dad, which cool. And he bows up to me as any good dad would, you know, he's like, you better back the fuck off. I was like, you, you better sit your ass down. <laughs> he's like, what are you going to do? It's like, I'll bust these tubes over your fucking head. And so he got up in my face and I think what really prompted him to do something was the fact that I didn't back down once he got in my face. Like I just stayed there and I think he got embarrassed. He said, well, I got to do something now. So he like reached for me. I was like, I, I could just tell him. I was like, this motherfucker's about to do something. And he reached for me, but he didn't even get me around the throat. He just got me like down here and like pushed me backwards. And the whole time I'm thinking, I was like, I've got to get a shot of him of me busting the tubes on his head like that's just good footage like i and that's like i'm not gonna do anything else i'm gonna wait till he pushes me up against this wall and i'll just crack him good but instead of that little wall that's there there's a little cutout to walk up into the commentary booth so he pushed me back over that so i fell back on my ass and he just had me down so i got the shot of me busting him and i Wish I'd held on to him because I could have carved his head up really good, but I just, bang, let him go. And so he's got like a handful of my hair at this point. And like right before he lets go, when I crack him 
with the tubes, I can feel because I'm pushing his like face away. From, I've got my thumb like right here in his eye. I'm just like, I'm going to pull this motherfucker's eye out. But I was like, man, his daughter's right there. She didn't do it. I don't. I know it'd fuck me up if I was a little kid and I watched my dad get his eyeball pulled out of his head. <laughs> and also, like, I've already busted tubes on this dude's head. And, like, I don't know what that's going to do to this building. Because that's the, the building that TWE runs out of. Jaden Newman owns that building. And I know, I think they had already started, like, getting ready for uncharted territory. I think they either had or... We're getting ready to get like inspected by the fire marshal and stuff. And if that happens, like during one of Jaden's shows on his property, I don't know what the legal ramifications of that are. I don't want to be the one responsible for getting TWE shut down because, you know, I get in trouble for fucking a dude up in that building. Yeah. Luckily, um, apparently his wife called the cops. And so we got out of there quick. We got our envelopes and jetted. And we were just a little ways down the road and I stopped to, to clean off because I had some of his blood on me from where he got cut on the head and the tubes cut my fingers a little bit and I was still sweaty from the match. So we like pulled over. I rinsed off, did a promo for Murdoch <laughs> and uh, was getting cleaned off and Jaden texted me. He's like, hey man, can you come back to the building? The, the cops are here. And they say like, you're good. We showed them the, the footage and you're not in trouble. I was like, oh yeah. So I came back and like made a statement. He's like, you want to press charges on this guy? I was like, yeah, I think I fucking do. <laughs> Motherfucker <laughs> his hands on me. And I kind of like, I kind of felt bad again, you know, because like, oh man, what if this fuck's kid? What if he goes, I was talking to my wife about it. And she's like, no, he put his hands on you. He's got to suffer the consequences of that. So, but so that's really all. It's not that exciting, dude pushed me over and I busted some tubes on his head and he let go. They pulled him off and he left the building and that's about it. Is that the only time that a fan has like gone too far? I guess you could call it like, is that the only time a fan has gone too far and attempted something? Yeah. Back in when I started kind of early on in Oklahoma, I was in my first or second year. I have, I don't want to say little kids, but kids like 12, 13, like still kids that would like swing at my arm or push me, you know, as like whatever kids. I did have a guy once say that he was going to be waiting for me in the parking lot with his 22. And uh, like he could tell like he wasn't like I'm not going to say it was clear he meant it, but he wasn't doing it to be a part of the show. Like he was legit pissed at me because this dude like he wasn't quite and he'd like there'd be a row of kids in front of him and he'd have this american flag bald eagle shirt leaned over those kids giving me the double bird going fuck you fuck you fuck you fuck you (laughs) but the the night he said he'd be like waiting for me with his gun i was like hey uh, walk with me to my car just in case some motherfucker tries something with a loaded weapon yeah yeah most definitely no, that's the only time anyone's like really tried shit. And it was just some fucking fragile male ego got hurt. And so he, several months later, because he's actually related to Jaden somehow through like 
he's like a third or second cousin or some shit. Yeah. And his mom works in the concession area of that building. I, I found out after the fact. <laughs> and uh, several months later, uh, Jaden's wife, who helps him run everything, comes up and she's like, "Now nah, I'm not asking you, but they wanted me to ask you on their behalf. His wife wants to know if he can come back to shows. And I considered it for a second. I was like, no, no, fuck that. He put his, yeah. I was like, well, if he did that in any other building in the world, like that venue would never let him back in. So like, no, fuck him. What's yeah. he going to do the next time I make a mean face at his daughter? You know, like. Yeah, yeah. No, suffer exactly. your fucking consequences, dude. I've never seen a fan do anything like that at a show in person. I've seen fans like, uh, what was it? It was at the Dingo Invitational. It was right after Derek Neal hit Dingo with the, uh, his finisher and I watched this fan like look like he was ready to hit the ring but then like the fan realized like that wouldn't be smart because he like yeah. he stood up and he like looked at the ring and then he sat right back down and I was like oh my god I did not want to watch this fan get I feel like, like after my thing happened I don't know if that just started people posting them more if it seemed to happen more but right after that was like maybe less than a month after that, I think, is when that video of uh, Joe Black flipping that dude's hat off his head happened. And uh, I feel like there was another one, like not too long after that. Like there was a handful of them I saw well, like right after that happened. Yours, the Joe Black one, and then um, like in WWE, some fan crossed the barrier, which I don't know how that happens and attacks Seth. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, I vaguely remember that. In WWE, though, you see, they never get to them. Like, yeah, well, that fan, like, that fan, I don't know how it happened, but he somehow made it through security and then he ran down the um, stage area and then, like, made it halfway down the ramp and just tackled Seth. And I'm just like, so much went wrong right there. Like, that's just. But I don't know. My the I, thing about the I got to him, but he did. Seth put him in like a guillotine or some shit, didn't he? Yeah, Seth put him in a guillotine and yeah, like was waiting right. for security. He was like, "I'm gonna squeeze this dude's head off if security doesn't come." Like, yeah. And then the Joe Black one, the fan tried doing a double leg through a guardrail, which like, oh, he, he was it, Joe because Joe well, got up in his face and he went boom. Well, yeah, and like, yeah. And then Joe just being joe just shrugged it off and then dude fucking covered up because like joe was not able to get the kind of shots i know joe can land on people because dude was covered up but if man he's so fucking lucky if joe had got one clean one in on me dude would have been fucking done i haven't met joe yet but i'm a cheap plug but i'm having him on the podcast at anarchy in a month hell yeah I've heard nothing but good things about him. Like everyone that has like reached out to me about him, they're like, he's so down to earth. He is. He's a cool dude. Like he's not one of those guys that goes looking for trouble, but obviously when you're like, when you're the biggest guy in the yard, people want to fuck with the biggest guy in the yard and join the one to yeah. fucking do this. I mean, he's one of those guys like you look at, you know, he's badass because he doesn't always have to go talk about how fucking badass he is, you know? Most definitely. But the last question I ask all my guests is, if you could give any piece of advice, it doesn't have to be related to wrestling, what would it be? Any piece of advice? Mm, that's tough. Let me think on that. 
I would say don't be afraid to fail because that applies to everything. I apply that to wrestling a lot. There's such a terrible stigma around failing and failing doesn't make you a failure in my mind. Like that's how you learn. Uh, there's a podcast I listen to armchair expert and the host Dak Shepard, he's a recovering addict and stuff. And he, there's a saying in AA is I don't learn anything from your successes. You know, like it's easy to see Michael Jordan win all these t- titles in the NBA and go, I want to do that. But where you learn how he did that is when you watch, you learn he was cut from his high school basketball team. He, I think was like not even a starter in North Carolina, like his first year there or something. The failures, how do you overcome that? You know, was John Cena failed to become a bodybuilder competitively originally. And he parlayed that into a lot of other things, obviously. You know, the, the Rock's first few movies were not very good. You know, so like, that's my thing is like, try new stuff. I've paralyzed, I've, suffered from paralysis by analysis way more times than I'd like to admit. I'd be a lot further along in my wrestling path. I'd be higher up on a lot of cards. If I just kind of stopped overthinking stuff in the past and just did it, you know, but I've been afraid like, well, what if it doesn't get this? What if this person doesn't like it for this reason, instead of just like, okay, well, they cannot like it. And then I'll fix it this time. And then da, da, da. So just don't be afraid to fail. All the best lessons you learn are from trying and failing. The most successful people you've ever heard of have failed more times than they've succeeded, but they wouldn't have had that one huge success if they hadn't had all those failures. I like that. I like that. And then is there any, uh, if you want to let the fans know if you have any merch stores, uh, upcoming shows, social media, all that. I don't have any official merch stores. I do have products up on fully gimmicked, uh, .net. I believe it's a .net. It might be a .com. Um, but mostly I, I move a lot of my merchandise just through myself. All proceeds go directly to the regime and our righteous mission. Um, my social media is at Merxist leader on Twitter. I believe it's also at Merxist leader on Instagram and it's still Graham Bell on Facebook for some reason. But you can follow me at all those places. I've got a few shows coming up. Uh, taking next weekend off just to train and get better. Uh, run some drills with the, the masked loyalists that follow me to the ring. But after that, I'm at Core Pro Wrestling in Tulsa on November 11th. And then at Unified Wrestling Oklahoma the next day on November 12th. And then the following weekend, I'm, I don't know if they've announced it. So I won't say where I'm at on the 18th. Then the 19th, I'm in Houston for WrestleRave, Texas. I'm in a Monsters Ball four-corners match with Great Scott, Dmitry Alexandrov. Don't tell them I forgot the other guy that's in there. Guy De Lacrimosa. That's who it is. I haven't seen Scott forever. I'm going to beat the shit out of him. But that's that's uh, that's it for for the month of November. I take Thanksgiving week off to just be with the family and stuff. But keep up with all my happenings and all my travels uh, through my socials. All right. Anything else you want to say before we end this? No, nah, I appreciate you having me on. It's been a blast, man. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you'd like, you can follow me on Twitter at a man in his pod or at your boy Squints. 
you can find me on YouTube because I'm finally tackling YouTube at your boy squints on there or just you know I, I don't know how YouTube works I think it's just your boy squints on there uh but yeah that's gonna do it for this episode thanks for listening peace